Hello, I'm John Cameron, and welcome to Musicology. A lot has been made about the fact that you came out and said, look, I was going through a bout of depression for two years. Why'd you decide to tell that story? Because that's what it was, really. Why not? Why do I have to hide it, you know? I was very sad, very down. And also, I hope that uh, the listener gets something out of it, that it helps them in some sort of way, and also to let them know that they're not alone. To know, yes, I've gone through this as well, and it happens, and it's okay. Throughout the 1990s, Janet Jackson was in her prime. That fact could be represented by her first greatest hits album, selling in excess of 10 million copies within just four months of its release. It could be that her brother, Michael Jackson, asked her to duet on what was regarded as his comeback song, Scream. It could also be the signing of an $80 million contract with Virgin Records, unparalleled by any other musical artist at the time. I like to go away and not do one album right after the next. I like to take those breaks in between. This time around, there was a lot that I was learning about myself, about my life, um, self-examination, which is what the album really is about, The Velvet Rope. Things that I was discovering about myself and having to go into my childhood to uh, find those discoveries, really. Despite the huge success of her previous three albums, two world tours and one of the most innovative and influential videographies in music history, Jackson's external heights exacerbated her internal lows. While millions would express their undying love, she was unable to express it to herself. Trapped in a state of turmoil, stemming from various unresolved issues accumulated throughout her life. As you grow, so does your audience. And I think it's important to uh, grow along with them, you know, take them along with you, and sometimes maybe even guide them. I think it's important, I really do. There's so many different things that we experience in life, and why not write about them, whether they're joyful or sad. While her emotional breakdown would be the impetus for a new concept album, so too would the lives of others. Janet was no stranger to exploring themes of her own love and sexuality but now felt compelled to write about those around her. Relationships, whether straight, gay, or bisexual, whether predicated on love or dominance. These intense lyrical themes would be supported by progressive instrumentation, with the help of her longtime producers Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and co-writer and secret husband, Renee Elizondo. Janet began production on The Velvet Rope. Eat it.
these are things that have always been really I can relate to. People talk about well, there's a how much privacy do you want versus you know you letting everyone know what's going on in your life. But there's a there's a a give and take to it. It was a real difficult album for me to make, but the most important one. It's my belief that we all have the need to feel special. And it's this need that can bring out the best in us, yet the worst in us. This need created the velvet rope. introductory track, something that was now a standard for Janet's albums, along with interludes, we're now greeted with what can best be described as an aggressive cross-genre cacophony, with angelic vocals describing the journey the listener is about to embark on. From a production standpoint, this is an auditory spectacle. Its rhythmic foundation is a sample of Malcolm McLaren and the world's famous Supreme Team's 1983 song, Hobo Scratch. It was a heavy topic that needed a weighty soundtrack to go with it, so that you knew when you heard it, this is going to take you on a journey. This is, it's almost like a cinematic record, and that's what it was. We were going for something very diverse and very dark, very haunting, as those feelings would be. Although the introduction and chorus are centered around the album's titled Metaphor, the first verse provides a direct introspection of our collective yearning for meaning and how best to channel those qualities. This special second verse advises a return to oneself for our own innate desires of approval, but also acknowledges our unfortunate inherent traits to elevate ourselves at the emotional expense of others. To to 
The track Sonics wouldn't just be dependent on samples and synthesizers. For the instrumental bridge, violinist Vanessa May would contribute an intense screeching solo. I like trying different things musically. I like putting different ingredients together and seeing what becomes of it. Not putting the normal things in, not doing what's the norm, but mixing someone like Vanessa May with a children's choir, with a sample, and with a, you know, a real funky beat underneath it, uh, something that's real danceable. And, and trying different things and seeing what becomes of it. Trip-hop, a rather arbitrarily defined fusion of hip-hop and electronica, is peppered throughout the album extensively, but is perhaps most apparent on the second track, You. Although like the opening song where elements have been heavily extracted and re-recorded, the instrumental is built on loop sections of the 1972 funk track Cisco Kid by War. self-critique, an attack on living in a distorted reality, denying your flaws to supposedly appease others when really it's all for you. because she wanted to sing it in her natural and she wanted to sing it real. You know, we can add distortion to her voice to kind of make things sound but she wanted to do it herself. She wanted the song to have that energy to it. And she had to sing it really, really low. Other than her singing in the low voice, but trying to be, keep that edge of anger or passion, 
it was a very draining song. It takes a lot of physical energy to sing like that. I remember putting that together, and that was that was the main thing with that. Better you'll be if you don't change your ways. When you hate you, you hate everyone that day. Unleash the scared child that you've grown to. You cannot run for you, can't hide you, can't hide. That's what you can't do. As was typical in the media at the time, sibling rivalry was perpetrated in relation to the track. I know you've said that some songs in particular were harder than others to get through. You'd be doing vocals and it was like you had to stop and come back to it. Mm -hmm. Any songs in particular? Mm -hmm. You was one. I'm hearing on MTV that that song is about my brother Michael. People have taken it and said, well, she's talking about looking in the mirror, my friend. And well, see, that's it. I mean, well, I'm, is he the only man with a mirror? You <laughs> 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 was about me. Interestingly, Janet would state in another interview that during the first vocal take of the song, she thought her ad-libs sounded too much like her brother Michael and opted to change them. During the vamp before the final chorus, the background vocals spell out C-N-E-I-C-S-N-O-C, which is the word conscience spelt backwards, further emphasising a self-assessed warped sense of reality. as the fifth single from the album. It was a Japan exclusive prior to the Asian leg of the Velvet Rope Tour and was also issued in Europe as a promotional release where it was ineligible to chart. The Velvet Rope would spawn a total of six singles. The first, Got Till It's Gone, would be released two weeks prior to the album. The track itself can best be described as an accumulation of influences, from the old to the new, from the indie to the underground, from soft melody to hard rhythm. Uh, on the first single of your new album, uh, Got Till It's Gone, uh, you, are, you have a duet with Q-Tip. Uh, would you consider it more like a featuring, like, like uh, you called uh, uh -huh. Rabbit Came, or a collaboration or something that was more... Mm. Uh, featured, he's definitely featured, as well as Joni Mitchell. 
But she, 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 she didn't come, I mean, it's a sample. No, or? but it's a sample, but it's, it's the first time that I've used a sample so openly. I mean, it's the chorus of the song. I've sampled before, but I've always put other music around it to create a new song. Um, I've never taken someone's sample and put that as the chorus of the song. Janet wanted rapper Q-Tip to appear on the album, being a fan of the group A Tribe Called Quest and having acted together in the film Poetic Justice years earlier. Although the influence of hip-hop is embedded throughout most of the album, Jimmy wanted to further facilitate Q-Tip's feature. So in my mind, I'm thinking, sonically, let's give Q-Tip the best comfort zone we could. So there's a producer, Jay Dilla, who is one of my all-time favorite rest in peace producers ever. Jay Dilla had done a remix for a brand new heavy song called Sometimes. Talking about a revolution Or maybe just a change of mind Working on my constitution I began to realize it was just his quintessential kind of stop-start. Just to kind of, it was so funky. And I was like, we got to do something like that. We had an, a drum programmer named Alex Richberg. He kept get, trying to make me, because I never liked sequencing stuff. I just wanted to just play it. Just put a beat on it and I'll play. He set my whole studio up, put an MPC in there, hooked it up to this Sonic keyboard I had called a MR76. And he said make a record over the weekend just using this stuff. Do not hook up to the way you normally do it. You got to use the drum machine. You got to hook all this stuff together. And I'm like going, oh, okay, fine. So on a, a Sunday I went in, I'm thinking I got to do it as simple as possible because I don't really know how to work this stuff, right? So I did the little keyboard part. Blum, 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 and I looped it. So it's like, okay, that's easy. Now I got to do a bass line and I'm going to do the bass line drunk like Dilla would do a bass line. But I played it real drunk. Like real drunk, right? So the beat was real simple in my mind because it was just right? Problem is, I didn't know how to get the MPC to swing. So it was just kind of going boo, buka, buka, boo, boo, buka. And I was like going, no, this ain't right. And I got frustrated and I gave up and I said, okay, that's it. I'm done. So the next day, Monday, I come into the studio. Alex comes in the studio. He said, what did you do over the weekend? I said, I came up with a track, but I can't get the, the drum machine to swing. And he puts it up and he listens and he goes, oh, you just got to do this. And he hits like two buttons and now I'm there. So now we got it. So the Joni Mitchell sample, I took and I put it in what's called an AMS. It was this little sampler thing. It only had like six seconds of sampling. And that's all I really needed. So I put the sample in there. So then I wanted it to sound authentic hip hop. I don't really know. I could DJ, but I wasn't that good of a scratcher. So I had the same MR76. I put little scratches and stuff, so it would go Well, I've always 
always been a really big fan of, of Joni Mitchell since I was a kid. And my brother Randy is the one that really introduced me to her music. And actually it was uh, an idea that, that Jimmy came up with and uh, it worked great and I thought uh, it would be great to have Tip rapping on the song and that's how the whole thing came about. While the sonic intention of the track wouldn't deviate throughout production, its lyrical content would. And then the toughest part of that song for us was we had a whole different lyric and a whole different melody that Janet sang that didn't work. It just dra- kind of dragged the song down. This early vocal take vaguely tells the story of a little girl missing her doll. The performance is loose and lyrics mostly nonsensical, suggesting it was more a pursuit of a melodic idea rather than an actual narrative. Got Till It's Gone would eventually become a more direct statement of love and loss. One day she just, we just were messing with different melodies and she came up with the she came up with that little line and he was like, okay, now let's put that against everything we got. Hit Factory in New York. We played it for Q-Tip, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it." He goes in and does his part and just like nails it. Like it took him, I don't know, three takes maybe. He had it. He just had the whole song down. Now you realizing when the nights go all right. It ain't for me to say when you know that I'm going right. Back to a while. When I tell you to settle, I was working around the clock with your girls on the metal. Talk about I heard he spins with the chick on the beach. That was out with the tie, but my love you in peach. Now you looking at the walls, head and hand, cold Jones in. Bringing my house, hanging up and imposing. Now why you wanna go and do that, played it for Joni. Joni loved it. She loved it. And we were like so happy because we were thinking while we did all this work, we hope she likes it. The making of the record was so inspirational to me. We love hip hop so much that I wanted something that was felt authentic and Q-Tip gave it the credibility. And it was interesting because it was a huge record on the urban side and pop radio didn't touch it, which was a first for a Janet record in a while. But pop radio just was like, eh, we'll wait for the next one. 
But no, it's one of our favorites that we ever did. With the song's rewrite came a different vocal melody, which seems to have been born out of another influence. Following its release, British singer Desiree sued Janet as she felt Got Till It's Gone was similar to her own Feels So High, released four years earlier. Show me your company, come and tell me who you be, I'll try and take things easy, I'll be loose, I'll be carefree, I'm living for tomorrow, not today, gotta make my plan, so in case, I'll be prepared when I see you smiling. The case resulted in awarding her 25% of the royalties the song accumulates. Since then, she and Michael Graves has been credited as co-writers. Got Till It's Gone would receive significant praise from critics, but for some reason wasn't released as a commercial single in the United States, which limited its placement in certain charts. It did enjoy success in the rest of the world, though, and is regarded as one of Jackson's most recognisable and loved songs. When I write, I write about what's going on in my life at the moment, and I write to please myself. I write what's in my heart, what I feel in my soul. And once the whole project is, is completed, I hope that the audience likes it. But you can't please everyone. And I don't think that's a wise way to write. This for this type, that for that group, this for this group of people. I think that's the best way to mess up, really. That's, that's just my opinion. Continuing to acknowledge the most confronting aspects of the human experience, my need is about sex. But rather than venturing into the lyrical pornography that would later become more confronting as Janet's catalogue progressed, this track is simply an acknowledgement of sex as an essential part of life. continues the incredible playlist of samples utilised on the Velvet Rope, with snippets of Love Hangover by Diana Ross, and incorporating melodic elements of Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell's You're All I Need To Get By. Both Motown classics, a label deeply embedded in Janet's family history and Jimmy Jam's influences. as a single and is yet to be performed live, it's another facet to the jewel that is the Velvet Rope. Beautifully crafted and unapologetic in its execution, an ethereal bridge between two important structures on the album. The group that you have around you, your dancers, there seems to be a real closeness. What do you guys do together as a group? We, everything. We oh, do yeah? everything. Yeah, it's it's for some reason I've taken on this role as a mother. Really? With them. Yeah, they, it's, I don't mind it at all. They, they'll come to me. 
and 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 I actually enjoy it because I love helping people. Okay. Or, or, or or I mean, we do everything together. We go to the movies. We we you go we, clubbing with them and everything. Oh, yeah, definitely. We do. We're we're very close. Okay. Very tight knit group. As on her previous Janet album, Jackson would continue to include her backup dancers, referred to as The Kids, on her studio recordings. For songs like Throb, Whoops Now, or This, Go Deep, their inclusion adds an additional fun party element, as well as the perception of Janet's personability. as explicitly sexual as the former or some impending tracks, some listeners still roped it in as yet another song under that umbrella. Many people have told me that your songs get a little too explicit, like the moaning and throb and the lyrics in Go Deep. Do you think they are? Well, first of all, Go Deep doesn't mean Go Deep. <laughs> go Deep is just a fun song about uh, friends getting together and they like to go deep. They like to really yeah. hang out and have a good time and they can go all night. It's nothing really... Oh, I know what they're talking about. There's yeah, a yeah. verse in Go Deep. I heard okay. something in that song that was very deep. Okay. Um, Deeper than the deepest seat. No. Do I think they are too um, explicit? Of course not. I no. wouldn't be singing about it if I thought it was. Get free from behind. I don't even mind. Cause he's looking damn fine. I'm making mine in time. Gotta take him on. When I get more alone, I make up scream Go Deep was released as the fourth single from The Velvet Rope, featuring remixes by Masters at Work, Teddy Riley and Timberland. The latter would feature Missy Elliott, who would go on to collaborate with Janet on future songs. I can go deeper than the river, Timberland. Make a beat that will shiver The back of your cars, the back of your jeep The tip of your necks, the soles of your feet Let my hi-hat, rat-tat, tat-tat-tat Now duplicate that You sound whack, here's a smack Janet, don't play that Timberland, give me playback The Timberland remix was clearly a standout as Janet would perform this version during her Metamorphosis residency shows in Las Vegas and during a headline tour of Australia and New Zealand in 2019. The single would reach number one on the US Dance Club Songs chart 
and attained similar success in the United Kingdom and Canada. Although much of the album thus far was heavily based on samples, the utilisation was minimal, compared to the next song, Free Zone. The track's primary foundation is built on Joyous, from a 1977 album of the same name by R&B group Pleasure. In addition to that, a short vocal sample from Archie Bell and the Drells, Tighten Up, from 1968. Even with its high-energy instrumental, what stood out for most were the short narratives, casually mentioning same-sex relationships, followed by a declaration of their love as being equal. like this high energy song yes. what was uh, the message of on that song homophobia okay uh, discrimination the reason why I did it at this point is because I just got really fed up with it I have friends that are gay it's a place where you can go and be who you really are be yourself and not from these different characters for different people this of course wasn't Janet's first expression of social justice and fighting against prejudice but it is the first of several mentions on the album at a time when sexuality was still contentious. In addition to Janet's significant gay fan base, what compelled her to write about them so directly are likely her own tragic experiences. Together again, I've mentioned that song a few times. Yes. That was your last super hit, right? Yes, it was number one. Special song to you? Two weeks. Very special. I wrote that song uh, for my, my friends who have passed away from AIDS, and I've had a, one too many. And uh, I, I, I wanted the song to be rejoiceful, uh, to reflect their, their personalities, um, not to be a somber song. And, and it speaks about seeing them again in, in another life, going to uh, another life after you. Do you leave. believe you will? Yes, I do.
Together Again is the anthem of Janet Jackson's discography. Its lyrics are universal, articulating the experience of mourning. Despite its somber content, the team managed to turn it into a pop requiem rather than a mournful dirge. It reflects a more modern perspective on how to pay tribute to those who've passed, a celebration of their life. Together Again always felt very special. The melodicness of it and creating the melodies and, and really the structure of the song and the chords and everything, I thought about the kind of the two most melodic things in my life growing up and my love of music. One was Motown and the other was Philadelphia International. That track is sort of the best of what Motown would do with the kind of vibe, uh, almost like something Diana Ross would sing, if you think about the melody of, of the verse. And uh, there's even a little background thing on the second verse that goes, which is basically a, a lick from uh, I Need Your Lovin', which was a Four Tops record. So there's all kinds of little sonic cues if you listen to Motown. But then the feel of it, um, which is kind of a, more of a house feel, that's an ode really to Philadelphia International and the Gamble and Huff record. For me, sonically, that was kind of what I was going for. And the lyric poured out of her because, you know, it was a true story about a friend of her. So it was, you know, it just kind of came together. That one came together really quick, but obviously a great message and one that connected to everybody. And it was a matter of, of celebrating life rather than mourning death. It was a very difficult thing for me, very tough time. Uh, you're trying to you know, keep yourself up, keep a smile on your face, and it, it made it so hard, and yet you see someone who's de deteriorating. It's, it's, it's really sad. How many friends have you lost? I've lost six friends, and um, I just found out another friend of mine is ill.
There was a, a girl that I worked with, and I didn't know her. Her father had passed away a few years back, and she never fathomed the idea that she may see her father again until the song came out. And she said, "Now I feel I'll finally get the chance to know him and and to see what kind of person he truly is, because he passed away when she was a kid, so she really never got the chance to really know her father. So uh, she got this this energy within her because of of the song and. And that's what I try to do with my music. I, I write about what's in my life and what moves me, and in hopes that it will move someone else. In addition to the album version, Janet would record two others, varying in their execution. The Deep remix would be the first of Jimmy Jam's mixes, primarily a hip-hop beat with sampled vocal ticks and breaths from Jackson replicating beatboxing. This version sees Janet delivering the verses in a melodic rap style before returning to a delivery closer to that on the album. This version would also be remixed by DJ Premier. The DJ Premier 100 in a 50 remix would further emphasize the song's hip-hop potential, sampling the drums from Toasted Marshmallow Feet Breaks by Darth Vader and Scarecrow Willie. This rhythm would be married with the Gamble and Huff produced Ebony Woman by Billy Paul. Jackson clearly took a liking to the mix as she would perform it at the 1998 American Music Awards and during her Unbreakable World Tour in 2015. The Deeper remix is a complete revamp. No longer danceable like its other iterations, this version is closer to the sensual slow jams that Janet was becoming revered for. More romantic, 
but delivering the same message. There are times when I look above and beyond. There are times when I feel your love around me, baby. I'll never forget my baby. The track's distinction from the other remixes would see it worthy for its own music video, released one year after the original. The synopsis, as described by Janet, details a woman, whom she plays, having lost her lover, whose spirit is represented by a butterfly throughout. Together Again was released as a single with its various iterations two months after the Velvet Rope album and as the second single. Aside from its universal praise from critics, it would reach number one on several charts around the world and sell six million copies, one of the highest selling singles of all time and the most successful release from the album. It has since been performed on all of Jackson's tours. While the internet in 1997 is almost unrecognisable to that of today, for better or for worse, its most utilised functions are predicated on relationships. Dating through other forms of telecommunications had been around for quite some time, but online internet dating was still in its infancy. Empty speaks to this new phenomenon. The song addresses the distinction between how people present themselves online versus who they actually are, if you ever find out. It's easy to fall for how someone presents themselves through text and get caught up in fantasy. Free 
to the desperation or addiction, describing an urgency to escape from the real world and continue these symbiotic relationships. arguably a fan favourite. In 2019, she would finally perform the song, much to fans' appreciation and surprise. Jackson's previous album was primarily based on themes of love, sex, and generally having a good time. But one track stood out from those themes. This time, spoke about leaving a partner after countless grievances, including domestic abuse. Clearly, Janet had more to say on the topic. And what about is about uh, not just mental but physical abuse, uh, spousal abuse. And I thought I had kind of gotten that whole part of my life out of my system, but realizing that I didn't, and I needed to write about it some more, which is very therapeutic for me. as attracted the abusive nature of relationships because it's always you break up and you make up and you break up and you make up so it was really like two songs in one it was, it was kind of like this kind of idyllic beautiful relationship until it wasn't I took a pause in a deep sigh he looked right into my eyes as he said I know I couldn't say something wrong But then I A journalist said to me that he felt that this album was very angry. I think there's that one angry song there, and that's the song What About, and rightfully so. I'm talking about domestic violence. Sitting back and listening to it and thinking of the people that have already come to me and said how this song in particular has really helped them a great deal and how they could relate to it. My heart was bound, 
Letting my whispering heart control me And telling my screaming mind what to do yeah. I looked them straight in the eyes And then I said Jackson would perform this song for the first time in 20 years on her State of the World tour, following a third divorce. At the end of the performance, she would break down in tears and state, This is me! Who did I collaborate with this, with on this album? Uh, Jimmy, Terry, Renee, myself. Yeah. We want to give uh, a lot of love to Renee too, because Renee did a lot of writing with you guys. Yes, he did. Uh, I'm real proud of Renee because he's worked on past projects, but he's never taken credit for all the things that he's done, even uh, being a director and, and co-directing a lot of videos. So he's finally taking credit. What About wouldn't be the only revisitation of themes previously explored. Like, again, every time is an internal monologue about being so hurt by someone, by love, and being confronted with the prospect of relinquishing oneself to those feelings again. I'm afraid I'm starting to feel What I said I would not do Last time hurt me I'm scared to fall in love Afraid to love so The song is yet another example in Janet's catalogue that proves herself worthy of delivering a ballad that could rival many of the vocal powerhouses that seem to dominate the genre. Her voice conveys the intimacy and vulnerability the lyrics require, a voice to sing along with. Every Time would be the final single released from The Velvet Rope. The release featured a disco remix and a B-side titled Accept Me. It would attain moderate success on numerous charts and was allegedly performed during the last Velvet Rope tour concert in Tokyo.
Although production on Jackson's albums were typically initiated by instrumentals Jam and Lewis would present to Janet, the first song to be recorded for The Velvet Rope would stem from a long-running idea. Stay away from my window Stay away from my back door too Disconnect the telephone line Relax, babe Tonight's The Night is a cover of Rod Stewart's 1975 track. It's yet another example of Janet's prowess as a vocalist. ideas she had talked about. She always loved that song and wanted to do a remake of it. And so we thought it would be cool to do this very sexy remake, but with a hip-hop beat. Actually, I remember we were so excited at how well we thought it came out. Because you never know, every time you go into a project, you just don't know. It's all really about the inspiration and, you know, always a whole lot of different elements go into it. That one was easy to do because the lyrics were already written and everything was already done. Tonight's The Night would be another of many tracks to receive controversy. Aside from its introduction, she would also switch between pronouns on the choruses, leading to further speculation about her own sexual inclinations. You covered Rod Stewart's song, Tonight's The Night. Why did you choose that one? That's one of my all-time favourites. Because you didn't change any of the lyrics, did you? You sang it from a male perspective. Was that strange to do that, or did you just feel like I, I needed to keep it? And the other is... That's reality for a lot of people. A lot of women feel that way and they fall in love with other women.
Continuing its thematic run of songs discussing the varying aspects of love, I Get Lonely delivers just as much lyrically as it does compositionally. Although Jimmy Jam would create most of the melodic arrangements on the album, for this, he sought the assistance of another producer, Big Jim Wright. Really a lot of that, the iteration for that song and playing is Jim Wright. Sitting here with my teeth, all alone with my fears, I'm wondering if I have to do without you. There's no reason why I fell asleep late last night Crying like a newborn child Holding myself close Pretending my arms are yours I want no one but you It was cool, and then the drum beat on the song too um, Alex Richburg actually helped program the drums on that He would take the R&B of it But also give it a very much a hip-hop feel as we called it at the time, like a double time feel, where it almost sounded like a fast song, but it was actually a slow song. The other thing, just for me, because I did the, the keyboard bass on that song, it's probably in my top five of all the keyboard basses on songs I've ever done in my life. The cool thing about it was it was just played the five. It wasn't, there's nothing sequenced, there's nothing corrected. But what happens is through the bass line of the song, the song actually builds and, and kind of moves and um, it's interesting. And so even when she was singing and doing ad libs and doing the things on, on, you know, her vocals on the record. It was cool because the bass kind of led her to where she needed to go. Like if it needed to be a soulful ad lib or a real up-tempo type ad lib or, or whatever, the bass actually was the thing that really drove that song. With the rhythm track laid down, Big Jim would play the keyboards throughout. He played piano on that and then he played, I think, two different electric pianos on there, a Wurlitzer and a Rhodes, which are both kind of standard, uh, you know, R&B keyboards. And then we added the, the horns and the other elements to it. I knew what the chords should be. I just couldn't play them because I don't really come from a gospel background in my playing style. So Big Jim, I remember, came to the studio and we were sitting there and I said, okay, now you know them chords, those church chords, those that kind of bluesy whatever. And he just started playing and I said, yeah, and I said, okay, then it goes here and it goes to here and it goes to here. And the next thing you know, we had it. And it was like so simple. But I give Big Jim a lot of credit for the arrangement and for the playing on that record, which was absolutely pivotal to making work. Mike Scott, who contributed to several other songs on the album, would be another presence on this song, providing some bluesy funk guitar riffs. All other instruments would be synthesized by Jimmy Jam, ready for Janet's vocals. Get Lonely was released as the third single from The Velvet Rope and reached the top spot on several charts in the United States, marking her 18th consecutive number one hit on the Billboard 100, in the company of just Elvis and the Beatles at the time. It would go on to receive a BMI award and a Grammy nomination.
Like many of the singles, I Get Lonely would receive a multitude of remixes, but there was one significant revamp from producer Teddy Riley, taking its solo delivery into a duet with his protege R&B group, Blackstreet. Ultimately, Janet's vocals are the same as on the original, just removed to make place for Blackstreet's delivery. Its inception came about due to the success of the variations of Together Again, with Jackson contacting Riley to create an alternate experience for the single. Teddy and I, we ran into each other in Europe and we started talking about doing something together and we were on the phone. He had already come home and I was still in Europe and we were back and forth all day long seems like for a week talking on the phone about just different things and, and different ideas for the remix but it, it came out very well and I really like this the public seems to really be uh, enjoying it Blackstreet would not only receive equal praise to that of the album version, but also its own music video featuring both Janet and Blackstreet, utilising the same set and design as its original. Were you um, surprised to see yourself reveal, more intimately than on the Janet album, reveal some of your sexual fantasies on this album? No. Um it, it's been coming slowly but surely with even with the control album I mean mm -hmm. um, funny how time flies yeah is actually when it kind of first started that yes it, uh, it started creeping in you could hear it a oh, little yeah. bit and then on the rhythm nation there was a uh, some days tonight which was more in that area and with the Janet it was even more and then I did 24 play and I just said forget it I suppose at some point I'm going just, in there <laughs> yeah well I, I just think it's a beautiful thing and if you yeah. talk about it then do so yeah you feel too Moving away from the sombre expressions of relationships, The Velvet Rope returns to similar themes expressed earlier in My Need, but this time more overtly and controversially. Mm, my lips hurt. From its introduction and preceding moans, the listener is indicated towards the song's sexual nature, but perhaps not so specifically. things that I must say I do enjoy but I'm not into this oh beat me right. pain right. <laughs> right. 
spice and adventure. I think there's certain things that could be very sexy. Right. In the way that they're done. I mean, you can also go too far, I feel. But that's just me. For someone else, that's perfect for them. When you walked into the room, you knew just what to do. You're gonna go from door to door, but you know just where to go to. Come into my velvet room and tell me The composition is an immaculate amalgamation of the trip-hop motifs throughout the album, elements of hip-hop present in much of Jam and Lewis's catalogue, and a touch of jazz, adding an air of sophistication that may intrigue even the most prudish listeners. Jackson's catalogue may have devolved or been in the process of descending too far into pornographic territory for their respective tastes, but this is the velvet rope, not the kind of rope this song specifies, but the one that was lifted to not just expose Janet, but help liberate others in their innate and intimate proclivities. You take a song like Rope Burn and someone says, oh, they like to be whipped and tied. It doesn't say that. I mean, uh, I, I don't understand what's so wrong about having maybe your hands bound softly and blindfolded put on and anticipating your partner's every move. There's a sexiness about that. One in the morning, I feel it's so free and sensual. Lying here wearing just my imagination for you. Sensation Time is also a key factor in how Rope Burn should be received. Had this song been released today, its eroticism would be its selling point, its amplitude for smut would be accentuated, and while it did face contention at the time of its release, there was also an appreciation. This is because Janet's delivery exudes sensuality in a way that even the most talented singers cannot. Rope Burn is a sexy song, and it doesn't require a fetishist to acknowledge that.
The album continues its romantic desires with the modern quiet storm track, Anything. Although less directive than its predecessor, the song describes a test, instructing someone to show their desire through the reciprocal pleasure of another. While Anything may be one of the more forgettable tracks on the album, especially after an hour thus far, it's another example of what Janet does best, what she describes as the baby-making songs. And it features many of the affectations that have come before it with these times, the pitter-patter of rain, the call and response between the lead and the backing vocals, and that its subject matter isn't overt before a lyrical analysis. When you do Anything serves just as well on a baby-making playlist as it does on a compilation of relaxing songs. It was a very difficult time in my life and very painful and there were times when um, I felt I was going going crazy, like I was going insane, losing my mind. Um, it was very hard for me, but uh, I've, the tunnel seemed to be very long, this tunnel that I was in and feeling hopeless and alone, but I, I, I began to see light and I'm in a much happier place now, Outside much happier. <laughs> Well, you seem to be. I can see the light now. I'm, I'm still not. Good. I'm still in that tunnel, but because um, I still have days that are not the greatest for me. They're not as nearly as bad as they used to be, but they're, 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 uh, they're getting better with time. It's getting much better. The official closing track of the Velvet Rope returns to the central theme of the album. Special is Janet's letter to her inner child expressing to her five-year-old self the impending pain and journey, but not without reassurance. Sit down and grow.
Janet's message isn't just a warning about forthcoming struggles, but advice for how one navigates through them. Manage your depression before it manages you. I wrote a song entitled, Can't Be Stopped. The message that I wanted to communicate is this. You can go anywhere you want to, as long as you don't forget where you come from. I will always remember where I come from and whose shoulders I stand upon. I thank you very much. The Velvet Rope debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart on October 7, 1997. It would chart highly around the world well into the next year, along with its six singles, eight music videos, and 125-day world tour. Special editions of the album would also be released, with Japan receiving a bonus track and several other territories adding a CD of remixes. The album's critical reception was highly positive, but there was some negativity, most of it being ad hominem. In spite of all of this, Janet would be recognised through both music and humanitarian-based accolades, from Grammys to GLAAD awards. This was an era where she spoke for society's outliers through her music and interviews, an important and defiant acknowledgement for many of her diverse fans. Although the Janet Jackson catalogue is filled with magnificent selections that enable both fans and passive listeners to postulate over as her best, The Velvet Rope is arguably her magnum opus. It's not just a point in time. It contains the indispensable elements that made her previous works great as well. Her affirmation of character is there as with control. Her passioned political views are expressed, 
as with Rhythm Nation 1814, and her sexuality is brazen, as with the Janet album. And while these individual characteristics are refined and re-expressed, The Velvet Rope maintains everything that Janet, Jam and Lewis had achieved up to that point, and something extra, something special. You must remember that, you must not want to play. 